0: Bethel World Outreach Church. Reaching a city to touch the world. And so it's uh, my honor to be here with you guys today. My name is Bryson and I'm the youth pastor here uh we love we just love our students and it being also mission sunday before we get into the word and as we pray uh, for the word we also have a a 10 days missions trip uh, which is kind of our uh, the missions branch of every nation uh, where uh, they're going to be going in just a couple of weeks to uh, poland and they're going to be on a trip on october 10th i believe it is and so we're going to pray for the word and we're going to pray for them right now lord jesus thank you God, thank you that you call us on mission and that we can say yes. Lord, thank you uh, for these people who are traveling across the world uh, to preach your gospel, to share the truth about the message of Jesus, the love of Christ. And so I pray, uh, God, that you would be with them, that you would uh, be their power as they go. God, would you be with us now as we go to your word? Uh, God, would you Give us a greater understanding of who you are, Jesus. And it's in that matchless name that we pray, amen. Can you say amen, church? Well, amazing. So we've been in this series called Reach the City the last few weeks. And so uh, what we're doing is we're taking what Jesus calls us all to do in the last chapter of the book of Matthew when he says, go and make disciples of all nations, uh, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. He talks about uh, what that looks like. And so we've uh, adopted that as Christians. We're called to do this one thing, and that thing is make disciples. And so uh, we've sort of abbreviated this whole process into what we call the four E's. The first one is engage. And Pastor Rice, a few weeks ago, talked about uh, the importance of us engaging culture with the message of Jesus, the gospel. And then uh, the second E is establish. And what we do in establish is we uh, lay biblical foundations for people to build their life in faith on. And after uh, we uh, see establishing, happening of biblical foundations, there's a process of equipping, giving training to make disciples. And here we stand at the edge of the map, looking into what Jesus calls us to do as he empowers us. To make disciples i don't know about you but i'm pretty comfortable you know we once i said yes to jesus i was you know engaged with the gospel you know uh you have the established factor do the purple book one-to-one go to connect class learn about all stuff you should like connect with and stuff You step into equip. maybe you go to the Bethel School of Discipleship and take some classes, maybe you read uh, some books, Uh, maybe you go, if you're really feeling fancy, to the uh, Bethel Leadership Institute, Uh, if you're just like a super Christian, maybe that's you, and so we go from this engage, establish, equip, and I think that we somehow find a a little bit of an, an ease, a little bit of a comfort staying there. I think it's a little bit easy for us uh, to feel like we're one great book away from making an impact in the world. And we're one training away from actually being usable by Jesus. We see this mission that Jesus gives us that we are called to reach the nations. But so often what gets me in the way of my mission is my mirror. It's so often that when I see the person that God's calling to do all of these things and I see the calling that God's giving, there is an incongruency because I see my brokenness and I see his calling and I say, surely God, you can't use me. Surely you can't mean me. We have, when we look in this mirror, maybe it's not a physical mirror, but a moment of self-reflection. It's so easy to think of all of the disqualifications that you have and that I have of reasons why God shouldn't be able to use us, where we go engage, got it, establish, got it, equip, got it, empower, what? We asked our students on Wednesday night uh, to write down some of the things that they might feel like uh, disqualify them from being used by God, because we all have a list, and so here's some things. I have a few pages, but we'll just highlight a few. Um, I'm not smart enough," one of them said. "I'm easily influenced by others. I'm impatient. Uh, I don't know the gospel well enough. No one wants to hear from me. I'm in middle school not enough faith. I don't go to church enough. I give up too quickly. I'm not smart enough. I have a past. I don't read my Bible enough. I'm easily annoyed. Or how about this one? I want people to like me. What's on your list? Like What's, what's on your list? I think we all have one. We have a list of the reasons why we can't be used by God. I can't, I can't make a difference in my workplace because I have, I can't reach people at my school because I, I, I'm the guy that, and what we do is we take our list and now when we see ourselves, we just see the things that disqualify us And so we're looking, and when we get up in the morning, we let our mirror determine the size of our mission. We say, Surely, surely God couldn't use me, which puts us at a a little bit of a disadvantage. When we hear that God's calling us to do great things, and we live in this tension between what we know the mission is and what we see in our mirror. And this is the tension that the disciples find themselves in in the text that we're going to be reading today. Would you open your Bible to Acts chapter 1? Acts chapter 1. Here's a group of people who've been walking with Jesus uh, for three years as he's been doing ministry. These people have seen him do amazing things. They've seen him heal people. They've seen him uh, teach the word of God like they've never heard before. They've seen miracles and signs, and they've seen Jesus do some pretty amazing things. And over the few years, they've started to catch the drift that he's not gonna be there forever, that actually he was going to go to the cross, die, uh, be buried, and then resurrect in new life. And so here we are, we find ourselves at this point in the story that he's already done those things, he's resurrected, and here's the last conversation that he has with his disciples before turning them loose to go and change the world. In Acts uh, 1 verse 4, it says this, on one occasion, while he, being Jesus, was eating with them, he gave them this command. You think about the last conversation that these disciples have with Jesus, and he's Jesus, kind of a big deal. And this last conversation hinges on an unanswered question. They say, okay, well, Jesus, I heard you a couple chapters ago that it sounds like you were asking us to do some pretty big things, you know, make disciples, not just to some nations, but all of them. And so I uh, just got a little clarifying question, right? It's like if they're at the Oscars or the Emmys, they're in the conversation and you can hear the music swell up, you know, it's like he's almost done. And so he's in this conversation and they say, hey, hey, before you go, I know you got places to be, oh, heaven and stuff, um, but... I just got a, a, a quick question. Is this next time going to be the thing that we thought you were going to do this time? Or what's that going to look like? Because if we're going to tell everybody you know, about, about you, we should probably know a couple more things. Have you ever been there? Jesus, if I'm going to tell other people about you, I, I need to read one more book. Jesus, if I'm going to tell people about you, I got to get some stuff right with me. Jesus, if I'm going to tell people about you, I got some stuff to work out. And Jesus gives probably the most disappointing answer um, ever because he says, they're like, we just got one question, Jesus. And, And he says, hey, it's not for you to know. Sweet, man. He says, it's not for you to know My father's already appointed this. He says, one more thing, and then he leaves. And you can look at that as really disappointing uh, because the disciples leave on this. Uh, You know, I can relate. I can relate with where these disciples are. Uh, You probably remember Pastor Corey, who was the youth pastor before I was, and Pastor Ernie, who's going to be speaking at that men's event you heard about. He was a youth pastor before he was. But what a lot of people don't know is there was this little in-between period where I was the accidental youth pastor. <laughs> a lot of people don't know this is round two. Um, so there's five weeks um, between the, the uh, Pastor Ernie Pastor Corey, and here's what happened. I was working at Starbucks, and I've been serving in our youth ministry for seven years now, um, and so I was our eighth grade guy's small group leader. And so I loved what I was doing. We're in a Starbucks, you know, uh, lattes by day, disciple making by night. Um, <laughs> and so I'm just serving, you know, Wednesday nights, just loving my life. And I'm being discipled, right? So I'd already been engaged by uh, the gospel, but Pastor Ernie was laying biblical foundations in my life. He was equipping me, doing some training for me to actually make a difference. And Uh, He got me this part-time job at Bethel World Outreach Church. And so uh, I worked part-time. I was working just one day a week on Wednesdays. I'd show up early, make some copies, stuff like that. I was his assistant. And so now I'm just, I'm living my best life, working at Starbucks, working there. And it was about two weeks into that working relationship that he sits me down. This is uh, Ernie Kruger. He's a South African rugby player. I'm not going to do South African accent because it would be a South African accident. Um, (laughs) But he sits me down and he goes, champ, hero, legend, rock star. And you know when you start with that many positive nicknames, something bad's about to happen. Champ, hero, legend, rock star, I got something to tell you. I say, what is it? This is awesome. I'm like, I work at a church now, life is awesome. And he's like, I'm moving to Dallas. I was like, wow, Dallas, that's wow, that's amazing. Who's who's gonna be the youth pastor? Champ, hero, legend. Rockstar. So I'm here with a couple unanswered questions. I see the calling that's out there, and I see me. I see the mission presented, but I'm stuck looking in the mirror. Because here I am two weeks ago, not even two weeks ago, like two hours ago, slinging lattes. And now I'm being asked to do something so much bigger. But what Pastor Ernie told me, he quoted the scripture that Jesus is saying right now in Acts 1.8. As we live in the tension between our mission and our mirror, Jesus says this, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of The earth. We can get so caught up in the what, this uh, being a witness, this call to change the world, that we gloss over the how. And so uh, I think about changing the world. I think about what we're called to be. And the story that we see in Acts is of some superheroes of the faith. We have Paul who preached and planted churches. Uh, We have Peter who, after preaching just one sermon, 3,000 people got saved. We have Stephen who's willing to to preach with such boldness that it even led him to death without even flinching. Man, those are some superheroes of faith. I see some of those people and I go, man, they got power. They got power. If anybody's been empowered, it's them, right? They got power, But I I would reckon to say, judging by this verse, judging by Acts 1-8, that they tapped into something that Jesus is talking about right here, that it's not because they were powerful, but he talks about the power with a little bit of a contingency. It says, you'll receive power when my Holy Spirit is present, And so any power we see from them isn't so much a matter of them being powerful as it is about God being present. And so for you in your life, man, if I understand that right, that changes the game. I mean, if it's not about uh, how powerful I am, but how present he is, I think we might have a fighting chance. Like when I'm looking at this, I look at some people even in our church. You think about Pastor Jim, uh, who receives a prophetic word from God and shares it, and we go, Man, that is powerful. We see Pastor James, who preaches week after week and is changing our lives. We say, Wow, that guy's powerful. We see Pastor Rice who's writing books, doing God's Not Dead events, uh, writing uh, or being part of movies. I think they're about to come out with God's Not Dead 17. (laughs) I'm ready for that one. And you go, wow, that's powerful. That's, That's powerful. But I think that all of these people have just tapped into the secret that Jesus is talking about that any power that they've seen in their life isn't because they're powerful, it's because he was present. Pastor James, you're a powerful guy. Can you come up here with me? Y'all gotta teach people at Rush how to clap. Love you, Rush. Just take notes. Someone says something good? Here's two, okay, here's, here's two Coke cans. Um, Coca-Cola. One says coach, one says MVP. You know, but you are kind of a coach for all of us, and you're an MVP, champ, hero, <laughs> legend, rock star.
1: Oh, and something bad
0: happened. That's you. So here we go. You have a can in your right hand and a can in your left hand. Would you, for all of us, do your best attempt to crush the can in your right hand? Power. Powerful. The can <laughs> has been crushed. Now, do your best to crush the can that's in your left hand. Choose not to. You choose not to. Just give it a whirl. Give it a whirl for us. Okay, so that's, that's not being crushed. Now, my question is, Pastor James, is this aluminum stronger than this aluminum? No. Do you think that maybe the, the paint is, you know, is something that's uh, you know holding this one together and not that one? It's the same can, right? It's the same can, but what's different, what gives it the strength, isn't what's on the outside, it's what's present on the inside. Thank you, Pastor. You can keep the Coke. So likewise for you and for me, it's not about what's in the mirror, it's about what's in you. And so, (laughs) what I love, though, is Jesus keeps on going. So he says, you have the power, and our question, you know, we go, man, that's awesome, I got the power, whatever it is, you just go, man, I'm powerful, I'm leaving church, don't know what I'm doing, but that guy said I'm powerful, because Jesus is present, both start with P's, I can tweet it, love it. (laughs) And... But the question is power to do what? And Jesus goes on in Acts 1.8. They call this the thesis statement of the book of Acts because this lays out what the rest of the book would, would be carrying out. And he says, uh, And you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. We know we're called to the ends of the earth, but Jesus gives a little cheat sheet here. And to understand this, uh, we need to kind of understand a little bit of ancient geography. And so we're going to go to geography class here in a second. But he's not just saying, you're going to be my witnesses in uh, New York and Portland and L.A., or you're going to be my witnesses even to take it on a, a bigger scale in Tokyo, in Brisbane, in Amsterdam. He's not just uh, listing off random cities, but they're city, they're talking in Jerusalem right now. And so uh, let's circle Jerusalem really quick. Um, and so they're there in Jerusalem and he says, you're going to be my witnesses in Jerusalem. Then you're going to be my witnesses in Judea. Then you're going to be my witnesses in Samaria, and that will take you to the ends of the earth. What do we have power for? What Jesus is saying is that our local efforts have global implications, that what you do with what's right in front of you matters. And so what Jesus is saying is you have the power to reach what's right in front of you church with Jesus, with the Holy Spirit, not because you're powerful, but because he's presence, you have everything you need to reach what's right in front of you. And what Jesus is saying is that what's right in front of you matters. That how you live in your family matters. Matters. That what you do at your workplace matters. That what you do at the grocery store matters. That what you do in the international meeting matters. That what you do as you go through your life, the way you talk to your Uber driver matters. He's saying you have what it takes, not because you have it but because you have the Holy Spirit. You have what it takes to reach what's right in front of you. So Why would we talk about empowering other people and spend uh, the majority of our time talking about how we've been empowered? Because I believe that empowered people empower people. And that when you understand that you have been empowered, it changes the game when you go to empower somebody else. Because if you realize that God can use you and your messed upness, It's a little easier to realize that God can use somebody else. And when we realize that we're not empowered by a person, we're empowered by Jesus, then it's no longer us hoping that the person isn't going to mess it up. It's trusting that God isn't going to let us down. It's a different ball game when we come into this discipleship relationship and it's time. We say, hey, you haven't read all the books, but you've read a book. You haven't gone through all the chapters of the purple book, but you got a couple. Now it's time to go. We're not saying, standing here biting our nails going, oh man, I wish I just had one more class. Oh, I just wish, you know, they never let a small group before. We're saying, you know, God, You're too good to let us down. And Jesus, I'm not trusting that they have enough classes. I'm trusting that you're in them. And God, uh, you cannot fail. And as long as we make it just this man-made thing about can you do it, can I do it, we get stuck in the mirror. And it doesn't matter what's on your list, however awesome or however good, I know that we're not enough to change the world. And and so this message is not at all a self-esteem message. This is not something about how awesome you are and how Jesus is lucky to have you on the team. This isn't something uh, where we walk around, you know, we walk out and go, man, I Rock, it's not a self-esteem message, but it is a self-awareness message that our contribution is that. Our contribution is our disqualification. Our contribution isn't gonna get us much that we can't do anything, but God can do everything. And so when we get to this moment of empowerment that God's actually calling us to do something, I know how a lot of us might be feeling. Okay, I get it. The mission's out here, but I still have this need to be liked. The mission's out here, but I still haven't read enough. This mission's out here, but I don't have enough faith. Now, when you come into a relationship with Jesus, he doesn't come in and say, okay, first we're gonna read another book. Sweet, check that off. Then we're going to get you uh, more friends. Okay, check that off. Then we're going to make you, if you look at all these, he doesn't go down list by list and fix you. But the gospel is that you're not enough. But when we look at the mission, it's that Jesus is enough. So now it's not about our list of qualifications or disqualifications, but it's our uh, community with the Holy Spirit. It's our relationship with Jesus that gets us the past. So that uh, the things you want to see God do in your life, in your surroundings, to reach what's right in front of you can be done not because you're enough, but because Jesus is enough. And the temptation is to look back in the mirror and say, uh, you know, Satan is the father of lies. You've, uh, we, we know that. Scripture. Have you ever played the game or in elementary school or something, uh, my dad could beat up your dad? It's not much of a, well, how it works is you say my dad could beat up your dad. They say, no, my dad could beat up your dad. And that's it. That's the game. No one ever wins. Unless your dad's fight. <laughs> we have the father of lies, who also in scripture is called the father of this world, Satan. And then in John 1, it says, anyone who believes has been given the right to be uh, called a child of God, God our Father. So it, it no longer becomes about how awesome you are. You just can look at what might be trying to creep in your mirror and say, hey, guess what? My dad could beat up your dad. It's not about how powerful you are. It's about how present he is. Would you guys stand with me as we close The passage ends in Acts 1, verse 9. In Acts 1, verse 9, it says this. After he said this, he, being Jesus, was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid him from their sight. The only other person in biblical history to ascend into heaven in bodily form was Elijah. Uh, And so when Elijah left, Elisha, who was his disciple, his follower, um, he received, because he asked for it, what we say is a double portion of his anointing. Another way to say it is is a greater level of God's hand on his life. And so I can't help but think, as the disciples were there watching Jesus ascend into heaven, I can't help but think that they, they might've had just a moment Way they remembered last time that happened. What they may or may not have known is that what was gonna happen to them, it wasn't that they were gonna get a double portion of God's hand on their life, they were gonna get God's presence in their life. And for us, we stand here as but empty Coke cans. That on our own, everything life has to throw at us, we're just getting ready to get crushed. There is no chance that we can live for Jesus in a world that's not based on the aluminum that we're made of. But what Jesus is telling us is that because he ascended into heaven, the Holy Spirit was able to descend to earth so that now any power that we need to reach what's right in front of us is available not because we're powerful, not because we've read enough books, not because we've done enough classes or listened to enough podcasts, but because he's present. And as long as Jesus is present in your situation, you have everything you need to reach what's right in front of you. Let's close our eyes, and when we do this, it's it's not like God hears you more when your eyes are closed. What this does is, it just gives us a moment for self-inventory, to ask ourselves, where are we with all of this? I think right now the Lord might be bringing conviction, uh, and he is to me, but the Lord might be bringing conviction that you don't need another book. You don't need another podcast. As you go, that could be helpful. But Jesus is calling you to something right now and he's not waiting for you to get your stuff figured out. He's not waiting for you to get a little more popular, a little bit prettier. He's not waiting for you to get a few more Instagram followers. He's not waiting for you to get your life together. He's calling you to something great. Lord Jesus, thank you that because of you, we have everything we need to reach what's right in front of us and what's right in front of us matters. So Lord, would your presence, which is our power, would your presence be in our families? Would your presence be in our workplaces? God, would your presence be in our relationships? Would your presence be in our midst that we could be people that see the city reached and the world changed because of your presence, God? God, would we be people of the presence of Jesus? It's in that name that we pray, amen.
1: Isn't Jesus wonderful to give us that word? Very well delivered. You know, pastors like us, like Bryson, Pastor Bryson, myself, we don't actually do it to get praise. We do it so that you can be introduced to what Jesus wants to do in your life. And I know for a fact, just like in the early, early service, he wants you to give you a fresh measure of his presence. The scripture simply says don't be drunk with wine. Don't be drunk on that mirror that tells you what you're not. Be filled with the Spirit of God. And all of a sudden, the way you view life, your life, the life of Christ, and the mission will change. I perceive that we as a church, we need the fresh feeling of the Holy Spirit. And we're going to just sing a song in just a moment. And... Being filled with the spirit means a lot of things, different things to a lot of different people. But today it's individualized. Just as an act of faith. I'm going to invite you in a moment to move out of your seat and come crowd around in front of the room and crowd to God. Simply for him to fill you with his spirit until that image in the mirror. It's different. There's none of your power can change it. But his power, his presence in your life can not only change it, but thrust you out into the harvest field. If you've watched this message and you want to make Jesus Lord of your life, I've got good news. You can do it right now. I want you to pray with me. Say, Lord Jesus, come into my life for the rest of my life. I acknowledge I am a sinner. I need you, my Savior. I believe you died for me. I believe you were raised from the dead on the third day. And I confess that you are now Lord of my life. If you've just prayed that prayer, I have good news for you. You have eternal life. The next step for you is to get in a Bible-believing church. We volunteer to be that church. But if not us, we pray God's blessings on you as you search for God's best for you. Thank you.